You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. wake up every morning and are you excited about what the possibilities that the Lord might have for you and the opportunities that the Lord might bring to your life today? The opportunities to share his word with somebody. Do you look forward to waking up in another day in his service or do you get up and go, oh boy, it's just another day. Oh man, what am I going to do now? Another day. Which camp do you fall in? Are you trudging through life doing the right thing out of a sense of obligation? Or are you eagerly chasing after Jesus? As Pastor Dave challenges us in today's message, return to your first love. Submit yourself wholly to the work of the Holy Spirit and let Him overwhelm you with joy. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he begins his message, Are You Ready for Anything? I love Oswald Chambers, and every morning I read his devotional. It's called My Utmost for His Highest. It's been around for eons, and I really enjoy it. And on January 25th, which was Friday, this was in there, and this was what he said. He said, keep your life so constantly in touch with God that his surprising power can break through at any point. Live in a constant state of expectancy and leave room for God to come in as he decides. What a great quote. It really energized me. We were on our way home from uh, Merritt Island. And I think on the 25th, I think we were on the ferry. I'm not sure when I read that. I went, wow. So my question for you this morning is, are you ready for anything? Are you ready for the next step? We don't know what that could be. It could be good. It could be glorious. It could be not so good. It could be not so glorious. It could be difficult. It could be easy. Are you ready for that step? Are you ready in your faith to, to take that step and see whatever God comes, brings into your life with, with vigor and knowing that, that God's going to work all things together for good because he loved you and called you according to his purpose? Are you ready to take that step of faith and put your faith on the line and say, yes, Lord, to anything that comes down the pike? Are you so connected to God in such a way that you're allowing his Holy Spirit to guide and direct you in an ongoing way, and and therefore you're ready for anything that the Lord allows you to come into your life? Can you be like James and count it all joy when you come into temptations and trials, knowing that these trials are going to have a perfect work of patience in you, and your faith will be perfected because of these trials. Are you ready? Do you wake up every morning, and are you excited about what the possibilities that the Lord might have for you, and the opportunities that the Lord might bring to your life today? The opportunities to share his word with somebody. Do you look forward to waking up in another day in his service, or do you get up and go, oh boy, it's just another day. Oh man. What am I going to do now? 
another day. Wouldn't it be fun to just wake up with that anticipation of like, what are you going to do today, Lord? Wow me today, Lord. What's on your agenda? You know, so many often we all wake up in the morning and the first thing we do is, well, what's my to-do list? I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. Wouldn't it be great to wake up in the morning with a blank piece of paper and go, okay, Lord, what's your list? What do you want me to do today? Because, you know, Lord willing, we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to do that. We don't know what the Lord has for us or what the Lord might say to us. Now, sometimes I think life is just too complicated and then my life should be rather simple. Or, or maybe you wish for a time in your life that your life wasn't so cluttered with all kinds of stuff. Maybe you look for a, a simpler lifestyle or, a, or an easier way. Well, yesterday I was reading Oswald Chambers, and this is what he said yesterday, quote, by receiving his spirit and obeying him as he brings us the truth of his word, life will become amazingly simple. Pretty neat. This is what walking by the spirit looks like. When life is so simple that you just walk into that love that he has for you and you just continue on a path, accepting everything that comes down the pike with love, knowing that God's going to work it together for good, and people see that in you, and they want that. And it becomes contagious because people want what you have. They want what you have. This is how the Apostle Paul walked. Our example that we've been looking at in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul was totally influenced by the Holy Spirit. He relied on the Spirit, and he followed the Spirit. You know, he had been separated for mission work way back in chapter 13, if you can remember back that far. It's been a long time. And back in 13, verse 2, it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called you. We can retrace Paul's footsteps from the very beginning of his first missionary journey. And as he follows the lead of the Holy Spirit, and as he's ready for anything that comes down the pike, Paul's ready. Paul's ready because he knows it's the Lord that called him. I mean, you look back at the very first missionary journey that we studied. You know, we see that he follows this lead. And we recall the easy time they had when they got to Cyprus and how it was, oh, this is great. This is what missions are like? Oh, this is cool. There's no contention. There's no problem. Cyprus is a pretty cool place and how comfortable everything was. But then they moved on and they had the confrontation with the sorcerer, Elymas. They contended for the soul of Sergius Paulus. Remember that? Remember that the effect that that had on the team, it was such a great effect on the team that John Mark left. One of their teammates bolted and, and left the whole group standing there. We recall Antioch and Pisidia, where they had many, many blessings and more conflict than blessings. And they were so disgusted that they left the town and dusted their feet off and said, we're done with you, town. We're going elsewhere. We remember the poison mines they encountered at Iconium, and they attempted to stone them and abuse them. Remember, they were called gods in Lystra, and the folks there wanted to sacrifice a bull to them. And then there was the actual stoning of Paul. They actually stoned him and and drug him out of the city and thought he was dead. He jumps up and brushes himself off and runs right back into the city to do more work. As if nothing ever happened. At the conclusion of the first missionary journey, Paul then goes back through each town that he was in, including where he was stoned, including where he dusted off his feet. He goes back through those towns. In between the mission trips, remember Barnabas and Paul were at Antioch, their home church, and all of a sudden a problem came up. The Judaizers came in and they said you had to be circumcised and then you had to obey the law of Moses to be saved. 
So the church at Antioch sent Barnabas and Paul to Jerusalem for the Jerusalem council to meet with the big three, Peter, James, and John. They were all there, all the apostles, and they had this big meeting. The Pharisees had joined in, and the Judaizers came, and they went there, and and they contended for the faith. They contended for the faith of Jesus Christ. They contended by grace and grace alone you could be saved, not by the works of the law, not by the works of, of any man's righteousness, but only by God's grace, and they contended for that. Well, you know how it ended? The Holy Spirit came upon the Jerusalem Council, and they agreed, and they wrote this letter, they wrote this decree. And they said, who's going to take this to the churches? Paul and Barnabas. You take it to the churches. And Paul and Barnabas set out with their letters, and they go back on their second missionary journey. And their second missionary began on a bad note. It began on a bad note. They had had a fight. They had a falling out. Paul said, let's go. And Barnabas says, we're taking John Mark, my brother, and and, and my cousin. And, and, And Paul said, no, we're not. And they went back and said, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. They had such a sharp contention that they split up. They parted ways. Imagine that, two brothers parting ways. Barnabas went, took John Mark with him. I'm sure he had a wonderful ministry. But Paul decides he's going to take somebody else with them. And he takes silence. You know, this could have been the end of all the missionary journeys. But Paul was ready for anything. He was ready, and his faith was soaring, and he was so full of the Holy Spirit. He was so ready to go that he was going to allow nothing to prevent him from teaching and preaching God's word, no matter what the contention was. The Spirit leads them, and they moved out. And in Acts 15, verse 36, it said, they launched out. Did you ever notice how God loves those that launch out? You ever notice how God loves those that just would step out in faith to do something that they thought God was moving There's a wonderful, wonderful example in the Bible, the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer in 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan and his armor bearer in Samuel 14. Jonathan's the son of Saul, and they're they're facing the Philistines, and they're all there. And one day, Jonathan wakes up. You can read about it in in the first 12 uh, verses of uh, chapter 14 in 1 Samuel. Jonathan wakes up one morning and says, I think the Lord wants to do something here this morning. I really think the Lord wants to move mightily on our behalf. And his armor bearer says, do whatever's in your heart. I'll follow you. Great. So they go up and they they see the Philistines and they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to step out and we're going to let the Philistines see us. And if they say, hey, we're coming, wait there, we're going to come down to you. We'll know it's not of the Lord and we'll get out of here. But if they say, hey, come on up to us. We'll know it's of the Lord and the Lord has delivered them into our hands and we'll go up to see them. Armor bearer says, do whatever's in your heart, Jonathan. And they go up to the Philistines, and they jump out. And the Philistine says, hey, come on up. And Jonathan goes, the Lord has delivered the Philistines in our hand. And he went up. Why did all that happen? Because Jonathan got up one morning and said, what does the Lord want to do today? What does the Lord want to do today in my life? And how can I serve the Lord? And I'm yours, Lord, whatever it is you want to do. Show me the way, Lord, and I'm going to follow you. And all of a sudden, he gets this idea that had to come from the Lord, And they end up wiping out the entire Philistine garrison. That's a step in faith. That's a stepping out in faith, and we see that. Paul was like that. God loves those that would just launch out and do it. Just launch out. But Paul chose to go forward. He didn't choose to back out. He could have been satisfied with the results of the first visionary journey. You know, many had come to faith in the Lord, and there was a great fruit. And probably, most of us probably would have said, you know, I'm very, very satisfied with what happened there. 
It was a great time. We had a good time. But I'm not going to go back there because they threatened my life. In fact, they even stoned me in one area. Why would I go back there? I'm not going to go back. You know, but Paul wasn't like most people. Paul was not like your average person. Paul was so full of the Holy Spirit. He was so full of the love of God. Because, you know, one of the reasons I think he was so full of the Holy Spirit and so full of the love of God, because he had been changed so much by the Word of God. Remember, he was a stalker of Christians. He wanted to kill Christians. He wanted to take them and and drag them out and and, and take them into the synagogues and, and have them killed or stoned or whatever. But his heart was changed by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And I realized, and I, I believe that, that he realized just how far he had come and what the Lord had done for him in his life. And I think that that's something that we need to realize. We need to realize what God did in our lives and what really happened, what truly happened inside here when we made a, a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. We need to realize that what happened in that transition that really happened. Paul wasn't like most people. Paul gathers his sidekicks and they, they leave. Later, Paul and Silas are joined by Timothy, and later Dr. Luke, and they go back to the churches of Derby and Lystra. They deliver the letter from Jerusalem, and they encourage all the disciples in their faith. It's interesting then that Paul wanted to go to Galatia and in that area, but he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit, and they end up in Troas, where Paul receives a vision about the man from Macedonia who says, come over and help us. Man from Macedonia. Paul and his group, which are led by the vision of God, then go to Philippi. And they establish a beachhead for the Lord in Europe, but not without consequences. They minister to a bunch of women at the riverside, and Lydia gets saved. And then the Pythoness, she comes around. Remember the weird Pythoness? She comes around, and Paul drives the demon out of her, and she becomes saved. And because he upset the economic barrel of, uh, of um, Philippi, they had him arrested. He and Silas are arrested, and they're beaten, and they're thrown into prison. You know the story. An earthquake comes. Why did the earthquake come? Well, it came for two reasons. Number one, to get Paul out of there, and number two, to save a Philippian jailer and his entire household. Paul was ready for anything, including an earthquake. From Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica, and they're accused of turning the world upside down. What an accusation. See, it wasn't meant as a compliment. But we like, I'd like to turn the world upside down for Christ. But it wasn't meant as a compliment. It was meant as a derogatory statement. But they loved it. The envious Jews collected a mob and they came after them, causing them to run away from Thessalonica and they came to Berea. Remember the Bereans? They were more fair-minded than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures daily to find out what Paul was saying was true. You know what? I bet Paul loved this. I bet Paul loved the fact that the people he taught took the time to go back to the Bible and read the Bible for themselves to find out if what Paul was speaking was true. And I, as a pastor, as the pastor of this church, challenge you to do the same thing. Check the Scriptures. Go back and read the Scriptures for yourself. I think Paul loved this. But the Jews continued to follow Paul everywhere he went, causing trouble. Paul secretly leaves Berea, and he leaves Silas and Timothy behind, and he heads for the center of intellect, the center of philosophy, Athens. And he comes against the Athenian philosophers. These philosophers accuse him of being a babbler, someone who just speaks other people's words. But they want to hear what he has to say, and they ask him to come speak to the council of of the religion and education in Mars Hill. And he goes, and he appears for them before them, and he speaks about the unknown God. 
their unknown God and the description that they have. And he explains to them that God is not unknown and that God can be known. And he's the creator of all things, the universe, and he's the giver of life, and he's the giver of breath to all living things. And he wants to be involved in our daily lives, and Paul explains that to them. He told the philosophers of Athens this very, very poignant thing, and I think it's true today. He says, the times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now God commands that all men everywhere should repent. You ever hear that ignorance is no excuse for the law when you come before a judge? But I didn't know the speed limit was 55. And you thought it was 95? I didn't know it was 55. Ignorance is no excuse for the law. God says, the times of ignorance, God has overlooked. But now God commands that all men everywhere should repent. I think it's just as true today as it was back when it was written. But the reaction of Paul's message was mixed at best. And he left Athens, still all by himself, and he heads to the large city of Corinth. And that's where we are in today's study. It's time for Paul to come out of Corinth. His time there has come to an end. The Holy Spirit is leading him out there. And as he continues, he teaches the Word of God for 18 more months. And some people think it was even longer. There's been much fruit in Corinth. And there's been a lot of trouble too. It follows him everywhere he goes. But while he's in Corinth, he gets another vision from the Lord. And the Lord encourages him to continue in the faith, Paul. Don't be afraid. Don't be silent. Continue. He gets this beautiful, beautiful vision. This encouragement comes at a perfect time. It comes right after the trouble that was caused by the Jews who were accusing him of being contrary to the law. And in verse 18 we read, So Paul still remained there a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had cut his hair off at Chantria, for he had taken a vow. Even after the trouble, Paul remained there a good while. Paul was ready for anything that came down the pike. He was so in tune to what God was doing. Here we see a beautiful thing about Paul. We see his missionary heart. Paul wanted to save the world. Paul had a missionary heart. You know, the proclamation of Jesus Christ is at the heart of every missionary and every missionary task. I don't believe that Paul had a particular strategy when it came to missions. But like Jonathan, Paul would say, I wonder what the Lord wants to do in this city. I wonder what the Lord wants to do with this person or that person. He had a true missionary heart. He was totally led by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he was ready for anything because he completely trusted in the Holy Spirit. He trusted in the Lord. And if Paul had a strategy, if Paul had one strategy, it was a strategy of flexibility. Because Paul had the model of, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. Paul was flexible. Which way are you going, Lord? Which way are you leading me? I'm going to go any way you want. You see, Paul was no respecter of persons, and he knew that God was no respecter of persons. He knew that God would, that all men would come to repentance. He knew that God wanted all to be saved. He knew that everyone was entitled to have the gospel, that Christ died for all. And if there was any strategy involved in Paul's teaching and preaching, it was to go to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. That was the only strategy involved, to preach the gospel. But even though the Jews adamantly refused his message and continued to persecute the messenger, he continued to preach the gospel to them. He would not give up. Sure, Paul's heart was for his brethren, but he had a heart for all lost souls. Paul was committed to the gospel because he told the Roman church that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. To the Jew first and then to the Greek. 
You go online and you type in how to be a missionary and you get all these websites. 45 things you need to know to be a missionary. 27 things you need to know to be a missionary. All this stuff that you need to know to be a missionary. What I'm going to tell you right now, in my opinion, to be a good missionary and to have a missionary heart, you need to know Jesus Christ. You need to know exactly what he did in your heart. You need to be close to him. You need to seek him. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to allow him to pierce your heart with the truth and to give you the heart for the lost. Then he's going to train you up, probably in a local church, and then he's going to give you the desire to go out and serve him. That's what you need to be a missionary. You need a heart. One of the things we love about Merritt Island is as you walk it, it says you're entering the most dangerous missionary field in the world as you leave their doors, going back to your homes. We have this great example in the book of Acts about this man whose heart was pierced by the Holy Spirit. He was set apart for Jesus Christ and he was called to service. He's trained and he's ready for the ministry and he finally he's sent out in the name of the Holy Spirit. To be a missionary, you must yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You must yield to what the Spirit is doing in your life. Paul had a missionary's heart and followed the Spirit's lead and he leaves Corinth. He takes his new ministry partners with him, Priscilla and Aquila, and they've been sitting under Paul now for over a year. They've been listening to him teach, and now they're ready for ministry, and Paul sees that in them, and they become very, very important in his ministry team, and you'll see that a little later. They sail for Syria. Paul had taken a vow. He had his hair cut. It was a Nazarite vow, and in order to fulfill the Nazarite vow, you must go to Jerusalem and basically burn your hair on the altar. That's how the Nazarite vow was concluded. Paul was going to Jerusalem. Paul made a decision to do this vow. He didn't have to do it. He consecrated himself. Remember, we talked about consecration a couple weeks ago. Paul made a decision in his heart to dedicate his life to the Lord, to consecrate his life to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to serve you and you alone. No other shall have my attention. No other shall have my allegiance. I'm yours and yours by me alone. You're mine. Paul made a decision and he consecrated himself. When we give our whole life to Jesus Christ without measure, we put ourselves in complete submission to his will. We're going to serve him when he calls without hesitation. Our answers are going to be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's what our answer is going to be. Paul wants to draw close to the Lord, and he's ready for anything the Lord has for him. So he leaves Corinth behind, and as he draws closer to the Lord, seeking strength through his vow, we see in verses 19 through 21 that they come to Ephesus, and he stays there a short time. It says, and he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered a synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Paul comes to Ephesus, and again, we have an interesting comment here because Ephesus is the modern-day Turkey, which is Asia. Remember, Paul wanted to go to Asia but was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go, and he didn't go. Now, the Holy Spirit allows him to go there. He's guided yet, and he goes. And here we see Paul doing something that he said he wasn't going to do. Paul goes back into a synagogue and reasons with the Scriptures. He goes back into the synagogue. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.